that you all got that handout. They were, Willie was passing them out, and if you didn't, please raise your hand, and Willie will make sure that you get one. There's uh, a couple of handouts that we're passing out. Listen, we have a bunch of tracks in the very back. Um, you're more than welcome to take a look at them and take as many as you want. We have invitation cards for the rock back there as well with all the information. You're more than welcome to take them as well. And so uh, we're... We just want you to, the thing about the tracks is that you get to learn how to share the gospel through those tracks. And so if you take different ones and, and learn them, it's pretty fun. And you, you know, I, I always say there's not one way. There's many ways to share the gospel. One gospel message though. And so that's uh, many ways, many platforms. And so there's different ways to share it. I know that there's guys out there that share, that share this is the only way, but there's not. There's many platforms one gospel message. Amen? Amen. So excited for today. We, you know, we're, we're going to start like at the beginner's level and kind of uh, give you an intro of, of, you know, how, what works for the church. And then, and then we'll get a little more deeper into one-on-one evangelism, as well as how to share with your families. Pastor Ross will come towards the end and, and share some techniques as well. And so we look forward uh to seeing what God will do through your lives through this, uh, through these teachings. And so we're going to start out with, uh, you know, this, this, I, I have a summary and, and I've taught this class at different places, uh, these, how to share the gospel. So I'm going to ask Jordan to put up the first, who's back there. Okay. Yeah, there he goes. Evangelism training. Uh, this is, this session is about learning practical steps to sharing the gospel. Everybody is different in their walk in their spiritual journey. Some people have come from never being involved in the church to others who have been in church all their lives. Some are introverted, while others are extroverted. Uh, In this session, we will look at the tools that make sharing your faith easy from being behind the monitor (laughs) where no one can see you to the street corner where you are seen by everyone. God has customized a plan for every person to be engaged in the Great Commission. And so... Uh, slide that one there is, of course, evangelism, sharing the gospel. If you go to slide two, it says evangelism. What works best in your area? And so if we, uh, this is one of those ones. I'm sure you'll be surprised by the answer, especially from my perspective. I enjoy large um, public crusades and concerts. I, I, I enjoy being in the, in the public, sharing my faith. You know, um, I remember I was in India and they were, uh, they, they shared with me, oh, Bond, there's this little conference that we have, and we want you to come and share the gospel there. And so uh, when I got up on the stage, there was 8,000 people, and I was like, okay, my, my heart is coming out of my chest, you know. But then, of course, you know, of course, your, your training and everything kicks in, and, and you just open your mouth, and then the Lord just takes over, of course, with your training. Uh, and so I gave the gospel, and it's funny, the, the, when I asked at the very end, I always give an opportunity for those to receive. Uh, you know, there's a big push right now for not giving an opportunity for those to receive. Um, you know, I want you to know that Jesus did it. <laughs> come, all you that are thirsty, come. I mean, he always gave an invitation. All the disciples gave invitations. I don't know why they have such a hostility to give an invitation. So I gave the invitation there in India. And the initial guys that raised their hands and stood up are the guys that I knew that were getting saved for the first time. Then all 8,000 stood up and you're like, okay, get, get back down, you know? And so, but it was a lot of fun. I, you know, I, 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 um, 
I remember the very first time I shared the gospel, the full gospel. I was in, a, I was, I was overseeing a high school ministry, and and, it, and God just poured out His Spirit, and there was a couple of hundred high school kids come out, you know, and I was, I've been teaching through the Bible with them, and finally, for the very first time, I'm going to give an invitation. And I remember I got up there, and uh, there's a little ring in there, Tony. There's a little, there's a little ring, and so I got up there, and I, and man, I told you, I, I tell you this, man, it was the first time, so I was nervous. You would think, why am I nervous? And um, and I get up there, and I just, I bombed. I mean, I was just like, um, yeah. So if you want to receive uh, Jesus, in, um. Your life, heart, uh, soul, uh, uh, you know, and I, it was so horrible. I don't even know how, you know, I don't even know what kind of communicator I was, but at the end I just said, if you want to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand, and more than half gave the, raised their hands, and I was thinking, that's the Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit, really. He's, he was already at work in their hearts, and that's what you got to count on. He's already at work, and, and just let God be God. And, and then, of course, through practice and you know, I, I remember I would learn how to, uh, I, I would watch all the Billy Graham, you know, closing remarks. I would learn, you know, Greg Glory's closing remark. And we had another guy named Miles McPherson in our, our area in San Diego. And I was learning all the remarks. And I was fun, it was funny because I sounded like them too, you know. Oh, God, you know, you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> and uh, so finally I learned my own personality in, in sharing. But I, I learned them all and, and, and I learned the ways that they did it. And so and then I would just give the invitation and, uh, through um, through the one the the one that stuck in my soul, and so that's really uh, uh, encouraging to know that God's going to give you your gospel message. Just know that. <laughs> so, um, I've seen many come to know Jesus, uh, but the the answer to uh, you know what works best in throughout the Western world is is going to blow your mind, and it's um, it's just personal invitation. Isn't that wild? Personal invitation. So if we go to the next slide, this is from the church growth experts, Winarm. In our research, we have found that there's one specific reason that visitors come to church, the friendship factor. We've asked more than 50,000 people over the last 10 years why they came to church, and between 75 and 90% of of respondents said, I began attending because someone invited me to church. Isn't that mind-blowing? This is going to be, because I love, I love evangelism. I love one-on-one. As a pastor, I don't mind inviting people, you know, and, 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 you know, in the line at McDonald's or whatever, you know. Wherever I'm at, I don't mind giving a card and inviting them. Um, but I want to show you the percentages of those who will come to church and hear the gospel for the first time. Here it is. There's the percentage. 6% by a pastoral in, uh, invitation. That's crazy, huh? I can ask everybody in Santa Rosa, but I'm only going to get a 6% response. 6% by organized evangelism campaign, right? We put a lot of money into these evangelistic campaigns, and 6% are that come to church and stick. You know, listen to this one. 86% by friends or relatives. 86%. Now, we've been doing this for 100 years or more, so we know it works. Simple invitation. And so, you know, uh, how, do, how to get your church excited about inviting people to church is a different question, right? 
So if, I, if uh, personal invitation by existing church members are the most effective church growth mechanism, what stands in the way of this happening? Why are so many pastors telling me that they are not seeing the evidence of church members making personal invitations to the, uh, to the, to the gospel? Um, speaking to even pastors around here, their churches are windling. Some of the churches are dying. We're hearing about it. And, uh, and, and what's the problem? Well, <laughs> the challenge of growing the church has many fronts, but one of the biggest challenges is helping members to make personal invitations to their net- network of unchurched friends. This first filter to church invitation is really the heart of, your, uh, heart of our church, really, the church members. They are the ones who make the decisions that their church experience is worth an invitation to their friend. Really, if you guys love your church and it's worth bringing somebody to it, you're going to do it. But if you don't love your church, <laughs> you know, I, I've, been a, I've been a part of many um, denominations throughout my life, not knowing denominational uh, barriers. So I, I've been around the hyper-Pentecostals, the Pentecostals, and on and on and on to the strict uh, you know, Presbyterians and on and on. And so I can tell you this, when they're running around the church and yelling and screaming, I'm not going to invite my friend. <laughs> they're speaking in tongues out of order and dropping and shaking, and I'm not inviting my friend. No way. Right? And on, it again, on the other hand, if it's dead and we're not worshiping and the Holy Spirit's not moving, I'm not inviting my friends. But I think that we have a great church, my friends. I think we really have a great church. It's worth inviting people. And, and, I, and I'm really uh, amazed that we have this opportunity here um, at the Rock Church to be a, a light in our community. You can exhort, conjole, teach, rebuke, remind, plead all you want, but it's the church members who decide about giving an invitation to the church. It's the church member who evaluates if the benefits they receive are worth sharing with others. It's a matter of the heart. For me, every time I read God's word, I'm challenged to do something for the kingdom of God. For others, they need a little exhortation. So I would like to do that for you. (laughs) So I created these really cool items, uh, Jordan Boyson, created this little card called The Rock. On the back, it has our address and time, and it has also a QR code that they can just put their phone on and it takes it right to the website. These are on the table. Take as many as you want, and the more you take, the more we will purchase and give them out freely. And so this was our first batch, so we'll perfect it. If you see something that's better in there, we'll make it new. I like it small, so we can just hand it out. I do this, by the way, with... When I'm driving through all my fast food, by the way, I got to quit eating fast food. That's what that's what this is this is all about right here, you know. And so, uh, and um, and uh, and so, but I meet so many people. I just have that that um, gift that God's given me, where uh, I make just friendships right away. And whether they're handing me a taco or a burrito or Coke, you know, they you know. And so I hand these out. I love. We have a young adults one, but this is the church one. They're on the table, they're out and back, and they're free for you. And so I just want to get you started on inviting people to our church. And you can just hand it to them going, hey, you know what, if you're whatever. If you're, this, is, this, is the, this is the first step if you're fearful. And if you don't quite know how to do it all, this is the first step because a simple invitation. My name is Bon. You know me. Come and you'll see me here. You know, come to hear what God has. He has something for your life if you're willing. 
you know, and so it's really, really simple. There's many ways to, uh, you know, the, your friends, of course, they'll fight you, but eventually they'll come, you know, because you have something that shows in your life. You have something more than any psychology can give you, more than uh, any, uh, you know, doctor can give you. You have Christ Jesus, the living hope. And so, and that should show to your life. And when you hand these out and invite a friend, uh, your neighbors typically will come. They will come if you give an invite. If they, if they know you and they love you, they will come. And so take these and, and give them out freely. Um, the invitation is, is the number one way to get somebody saved because we will share the gospel here. You know, one, one of the things about us pastors, if we see a lot of new people that we don't know, we're going to share the gospel. Right, I, I do young adults, and when I see people I don't know, it goes automatically to they're getting the gospel, you know, automatically. There's no, there's, I don't care, I don't know anything about them. They're going to hear the gospel message on young adults because um, I don't know. So, Pastor Ross, all of us will share the gospel when we see a lot of people we don't know. We're like, okay, we don't know. We're always going to share the gospel. If they come every week, we're going to share the gospel just like all the other Calvaries, right? After the message of Leviticus, of circumcision, we're going to preach the gospel. And so, you know, <laughs> we'll just share that Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is, by the way, the easiest way to share your faith right here. The easiest way and the number one way to find your friends being saved. Number one way. 86% right there. 86% said they came by friends or relatives. That's, that's an outrageous percentage. Outrageous. And that's something worth thinking about, these cards, guys. Because really, it doesn't put you in any kind of predicament where you've got to answer a lot of questions and stuff, right? And it doesn't get, it doesn't get you off tilted. You know, if you're, um, and, you know, not that you're embarrassed that you think there's a lot of things we'll talk about that you think that uh, you, you make up and call these excuses for not sharing the, your faith. But this is the number one way. And I want to just share that with you guys right now and just say, Lord, have your way with this card and the invitation of your saints here this morning. Number one way. Okay. Yeah, a personal invitation is perhaps the best way to invite someone to the church because there uh, is an existing connection for the invite. People will typically feel much more comfortable attending a new church when they already know someone there. Uh, it can help take away the anxiety of having to navigate around on their own or uh, the fears of sitting by themselves. Plus, when they visit church because of a personal invitation from someone they know, they already have a point person to answer any questions they may have and someone to soothe any worries or concerns. So this is it right here, guys. Number one, 86% come. So um, by the way, LifeWide Research did a, a study and asked how many times uh, they have personally invited an unchurched person to attend a church service or some other program at church. Check out this statistic. This is a different one. Lifeway Research did a study and asked how many times they have personally invited an unchurched person to attend a church service or some other program at the church. You have slide six. So there it is. Yeah, there it is. 48% of the church attendees never invited anyone. Woo! Is that shocking? That's shocking. I, I don't know. <laughs> right? 
it's, you know, uh, anyways, you know, when I'm driving through the fast food and I've seen, you know, the Tisha for the uh, 50th time, I'm like, Tisha, what are you doing on Thursday night? Take this. Quick, put it in your pocket. I don't want your boss to see. And then, you know, and they laugh and they just stick it in your box, right? Invite. They know me. I'll be there. 48% of the church attendees never invite anyone. 33% of the church attendees say they have personally invited someone one or two times. 19% of the church attendees say they have personally, uh, they have personally invited someone uh, on three or more occasions in the last six months. So 19%. That's a very low number, by the way. 19%. So uh, I'm, I, this is the first step of making it very easy for you to share your faith right here. Invite, right? Get you off the hot seat puts it right on the pastor, you're just being a friend, and then they can ask you questions. And the questions are so simple, by the way. We'll talk about that later. Even if personal invitations are the most effective way, uh, form of increasing visitor, visitor traffic to your church, nearly half the people survey have not invited an unchurched person to church. Prayer for the unchurched people in your circles of influence is vital part of sharing your faith. Now, how many people pray for the lost? <laughs> You're going to see the statistic. Here we go. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you guys do. That's a lot of you do. Listen to the statistics here. How many people pray for the lost? 21% of the churchgoers say that outside of church worship service, that they pray every day for people they know who are uh, not professing Christians. 26% say uh, they pray a few times a week. 53% say they rarely or never pray for spiritual status of others. Oh, that is shocking. That's like a, um, a wake-up call to us, right, my friends? It's something that, you know, it, it's like we don't actually believe that prayer works. Prayer works, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's the gospel is the power of God to salvation. When you start praying and then there's the simple gospel message that goes deep within the soul and causes radical changes. I got saved because my mom prayed for me nonstop. Mother, thank you. <laughs> you know, she just never ceased to pray for me. And, and so, you know, I, I wish that there's a way that I could encourage you to start praying for the lost. I, you, know, I, you know, all I can do is pray for you and give you that statistic and say, how about it, my friends? How about today we say it differently? Today we say, hey, Let's get down on our face and start praying for our neighbors. My, my neighbor, his name is Kevin. He, he lives right next to me, right? Been praying for him for, he's been living there probably almost a year. And so I'm going to give him an invite, you know, soon in my heart. I'm going to give him an invite. I say hi to him every morning. We have this conversation. And uh, by the way, I, I, have, I have three pastors in my area. <laughs> Across from me is Mike from, uh, uh, oh, I forget the name, Cornerstone. No, different story. Uh, crossroad, crossroad. Is, it, is, that, is that what it's called? Crossway or Crossroad? Crossroad. So Mike, Pastor Mike is there. He lives right diagonal across from me. So our neighborhood gets it. You know. So I'm praying for my friend Kevin here that I met, you know, and he's a new guy in our neighborhood. I'm praying. And then I come in on church and I, and I recognize him. I'm like, hey, you're my neighbor. And I'm like, who invited you? Because now I'm mad. Because <laughs> someone beat me to it. <laughs> He goes, oh, so-and-so invited me. And I'm like, oh, that rat, you know, like, because I was, I was wasting my time. I should have just gave him the invite, man. You know, and I was like, and so I was, so I'm, I'm, I was a guilty. 
Um, but I was praying for him. I pray for all my neighbors all the time and that God would give me great favor with them and a simple invite. And so my wife is really good at that. My wife invites everybody and she has more entrance into people's houses, you know, because uh, she's a lady. She's not like the guy knocking on her on the house where the wife answers and then the jealous husband comes out, you know? And so it's, she has more entryway and just remember that. <laughs> so, but uh, um, uh, so she always invites everybody and it's quite fun to watch. And um, But it really, you know, let's start praying and seeking God, you know, um, praying more frequently for this, you know, is, is, is so important in our lives for the lost. And, and we'll look at that in our next session, the Great Commission. If you're going to be intentional about sharing your faith, praying for others is the great way to start, right? If we're going to be intentional about sharing our faith, it's, it starts with prayer. We often uh, acknowledge the importance of prayer and people coming to faith in Christ, but we also found that it is an impact on the personal, on the person praying. If we're praying for somebody, if God opens that door, we're going to jump in that door, or we're going to go right through that door and walk through and share. It's just the way it works. And so, um, and and so, this let's let's close out this session uh, with a a word of prayer. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm guilty, Lord. And Lord, I want to pray continually for the lost every day if I can, Lord. And if you put that in my heart, I surely will. And I pray this for the congregation here, Lord, that we would pray for the lost, Lord. And that the statistics in this church would go way high, Lord, in praying for the lost. And it would go way high in, in an invitation, Lord, of inviting someone. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us in this area, Lord, and, and seeing the statistics very clean and clear and precise, Lord, that we can have an impact with just a simple invite. We ask in Jesus' name that you would give us the strength to just give an invitation. We pray that you would pour out your spirit afresh upon us, Lord. Cause us to be bold and courageous and help us to do it through prayer as well, Lord. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' worthy name, amen. Any questions before we take a small break and then we'll come back? Any questions that we might? Yes, Marianne. By the way, Marianne, um, she, she shares with everybody, the gardeners, she's like, hola, como estas? Necesita Cristo en tu corazón. <laughs> she's fun. All right. Yes. Yeah. Probably because I didn't put it in right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, was, it was me, definitely. The other two were very low. <laughs> so. All right, anybody else? Yes.
not purposefully, uh, I love the food. <laughs> uh, and so it's so funny because then they start calling me by my name and, my, and then I drive there with my wife and they're like, she's like, how do they know your name? <laughs> that all starts, by the way. I, I got to eat healthy now, okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. Where am I going to find these guys? That's correct. Do you think about the, the same grocery store outlet that you go to every week, if not every month for sure? The same coffee shop, the same fuel station. There's so many places that we frequently go over and over where we're starting to know somebody and smile, say hi, good morning. I always say good morning to everybody. And so... Um, I try to be as friendly as I can because I have an underlying motive. (laughs) Yes, Michelle. Yeah. Why did I end up here? You know, like, oh, I'm here sharing. Yeah. That's a, a that's divine appointments are amazing, and and we don't realize it until after we look back and go, oh, that was a divine appointment. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Anyone? Yes. Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to, when I do that, Joyce, I like to say, hey, my name is Bon. I'm going to give you this so you can come in. You know me now. Yeah, yeah, family's tough. Yeah, I'll t- we'll talk about family in our third session uh, more specifically because there, there's a way to do it with family, and and we'll we'll talk more about that. Okay. Any other questions regarding this session? Yes. Okay. So how do you get around? Or what are your thoughts on? I feel like most of the non-Christians I could invite to church, I do not invite. Yeah. Yeah. I I yeah. Yeah. So we're going to look at that in our last session together, but. Um, there's this session that I talk about at the last session where it's, we, we approach evangelism like the signal light. We always think it's red. <laughs> red, uh, and that's, you know, and so we stop there and we don't do anything about it. But approach it with the green light. You know, let, the, let them decide. Let them, not you be the, the, the deciding factor. Let them have that deciding factor because you never know. 
Because divine appointments, we were talking about works that way. We handed to them, they were thinking about suicide, boom. You know, it's amazing how that works. And yeah, so there's no easy way other than just thinking of it as every opportunity is a green light. Um, and, and I'll share this at the end is that one of my favorite phrases when I'm anywhere on a pier or just hanging out, I'll sit on a chair like next to Gabe and I'm sitting there and people walk by and I'll say, hey, you have time to hear about Jesus? Yes or no, right? Yes or no. If it's yes, 90% of them are going to give their lives to Jesus. That's my life, my life story. High percentage because they said yes, right? If they say no, I just, all right, take care. I don't, I don't try to say, you're going to hell, you know, because I want the next Christian to be able to get them, right? With love. And it's, I've never, I've never had a confrontational situation from doing it that way. Hey, you have time to hear about Jesus? You know, they may say something under their breath, but I didn't hear it, you know, and, and you know, I know that Jordan Bison does a lot of street evangelism here and, you know, and, and they walk away going, rah, 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 and, and I laugh because, you know, I don't know if, if it's, I'm, I'm a different person and that's why they don't say, do that to me. They might, but I've never had that, just saying that. So I like to say, hey, you have time to hear about Jesus. I'll sit on a park, on a park bench, any kind of standing there walking by. And, you know, in Mexico, I've done it down the, where the gangs are walking through. And I'll say, you have time to hear about Jesus. And then one guy will just stop and fall on his knees and says, yes. And all the gang members are hitting him in the head saying, get up, stand up, fool. You know, and he goes, no, I'm giving my life to Jesus now. And, and you're like, whoa. You're like, Okay, don't kill me. I just want to give him Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So let's take a, like a um, five-minute break, and then we'll come back and get to the session too. All right, guys, some water, some snacks out there. Tracks, please take tracks. You'll learn how to do the gospel. All right, you may be seated. First session went well. Yeah, guys, you're, are you excited about it? Yeah. All right. Um, I do have an extra church one. Anybody need one? Yeah, there we go. They're in the back. And um, I have young adults one. These talk about uh, ages 18 to 29. It talks about our Thursday meeting here. Uh, and so um, I have a box of these, not as much as those. So if you would like a few of these, then we can have someone hand that out to you if you by raising your hand. Uh, so right behind you and in front of you, you can pass out a few. Just ask or how many. And then, um, that, you know, I, this is uh, really uh, so easy. <laughs> this gets me out of my stage fright, <laughs> you, know, so the, you know, and so the, uh, the invite and put, it, put the, uh, the onus on the pastors that, that they have to share the gospel. And so that's really awesome. Uh, and God will do something amazing. So she's, she's passing a few and then we'll get started. Just, just tell her how many you would like and, um, Oh, there is? Bring those out. So anybody need any more church ones? He's got, there's a lot, the people that's on, just how many, just how many, and then Jordan was hiding them. There you go. I'm going to make some right away, and we'll have them within the week, uh, next week at some time, and I'm going to make like 500 of them, so that way, and then we'll put them out there. You guys are the ones that will know what they're all about, and so... Uh, then you can tell others about it. And so these are, so these are young adults. She has young adults. 
Natalie is my helper for young adults, if you want a few for young adults. Yeah. The young adult one is a, looks got a little more color in the front. You got church up here, uh, Gary. Don't, don't forsake Gary. <laughs> Did you give him a couple? All right, good. Anybody else has any some church ones? Over to the right, Jordan. When I read the, the when I read these statistics, man, I was blown away, and I, I started just handing them out and just invite cards, and I just wanted something that looked cooler for me. And it may not be cool for you, but it was cool for me, and I'm like, I like these. I'm gonna use these, and so. Um, all right. Anybody else, Jordan? You have a few more. Okay. Two more. Okay. Hand them to Roger there. There you go. All right. So did you get all the young adults ones out, Natalie? Okay. So, all right. Great. All right. So this next session is really the, uh, the focal point of why we do it. And, and it's kind of, I'm preaching to the church here because you're here. If you weren't here, then I'd really go at you with this. So, <laughs> but this because you're here, I'll, I'll go through it quickly, and 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 but we need to cover it, so we have a grasp of what uh, Jesus commanded, and it's really, uh, you know, the the uh, it's really comes from Matthew twenty-eight eighteen twenty. Then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father." and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus gives this command to the disciples, and it's a command that's repeated over and over again in the New Testament for us to go share the gospel. And so this is a very powerful verse. It's the Great Commission verse. Uh, And so this is where I typically would say we're all missionaries because it, it is birthed from this passage uh, we're missionaries here where we live. Uh, and, and that kind of brings fear to you. But, you know, it, it doesn't mean you've got to go across the ocean. It just means that you, you, you have to be a missionary here in your own environment, in your own uh, city and town and schools and workplaces and stuff and share the gospel. Um, the gospel is the good news, the good news of what God has done in Jesus, uh, through Jesus Christ. There are many ways and platforms to share the gospel message, but there's only one gospel. And so this session will equip you with the training and tools to effectively share the gospel in your, with your families, community, school, workplace, uh, and to the ends of the earth. And so this is one of those ones that we get to learn a lot about the gospel. And so slide one, there's evangelism training. Sharing the gospel is what we said there. And then slide two, the commission, we looked at that. Now, slide, slide three is Romans chapter 10, verse 14 uh, through 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can <laughs> they hear without someone preaching to them, right? Um, and how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Of course, Paul is sharing this. And he gets right to the heart of the, the, the matter. He's saying, man, you need to share. You need to share. If, if you can't, you know, uh, he, he gives you all the, 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 the reasons here. He says, you know, how can they believe if they don't hear? 
And, you know, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Good, good works is just not good enough. It's, it's the gospel. You need to present it somehow. Uh, you know, you, you can't see the good news through nature. You can't, see the, you can't hear the good news through, through music. It has to be shared, you know. And, and so the good news uh, of Jesus Christ, and, and I like it at the end here, how can they preach unless they are sent? And so uh, in, in, in the missions mindset, you're either a sender or one that's being sent. Uh, but here in our local environment, you know, we all have the duty of being both uh, sender and and, uh, and the ones that are sent here. And of course, the gospel music. And the number one reason, slide four, why we don't share our faith is fear, fear of rejection. Who, who likes to be rejected, right? Uh, that's why I like the invitation card. You just give it to them, walk away. It's, you know, you know me, I know you here, you know. And But still, there's a, there's a lingering fear of rejection. No one likes that. Uh, that's the number one reason, fear of rejection, you know. And uh, so uh, there are some people you know who, who can care less about being rejected. I'm not one of those, you know. There are guys you're like, man, you're embarrassing, bro. I don't care what they think of me. No, you're like, wow, okay. You know, I have a friend, uh, Brian McDaniels. I hope to bring him here one day and share on a Wednesday night. Um, he came from Costa Mesa under Chuck Smith and He's a true evangelist, and uh, he, you know, on the rear of the plane, he would choose the last seat before the bathrooms because the, the, the lines were created there, and he would share with every one of them, and, and he did not hold back. I mean, he just shared, and, and, uh, and so, and, and I remember I was sitting with a pastor, and Brian came up, and he says, hey, he's talking to the guy, and he says, hey, pastor so-and-so, he goes, um, how do you share the gospel? And and he goes, well, I do it through friendship evangelism. And, and the evangelist, Brian, he's like, oh, friendship evangelism. What does that mean? That means you'll never share the gospel. You know what I mean? And, and, and I remember my pastor friend goes, if you don't get out of my face, I'm going to hit you. You know, <laughs> I, I was laughing because it's true. How, you know, how long is it going to take you to share the gospel? Because that's the one that's going to penetrate. That's the one that's going to work, the gospel message. You know, And so uh, sharing it is very important. Uh, the second one is fear of feeling embarrassed. Not a, not a shame or of Christ. We're not a shame of Christ, but you know the society has pushed us into a corner where you know if you mention the name of Jesus, oh my, you know it's like throwing a. You can talk about any other religion, right? You, if I talk about Nepal and Hinduism, everybody will hear me. If I can talk about you know Islam and how I traveled the world and spoke to many and. And these mosques and these these guys and these clerics and you know and and they they love to hear it. But the, the moment I mention Jesus, oh my, oh I can't believe you're sharing that. Oh my ears, you know. And you're like, oh come on, you know. Would you you know? Anyways, some, so so we've been pushed to a corner and somewhat we're kind of embarrassed to share. And and I and and my my um and my statement to you will simply be this take it to the cross and give it to Jesus and let him remove all that from you let him remove your fears let him trade you power for fear you see and so then the other one fear of not knowing what to say that's a biggie by the way that was probably me early on in my youthful um, days as a Christian not knowing what to say you know and uh uh, I was I got saved in San Diego and I was going at the time San Diego State University and so I was around all these um, 
in, in my work was I was a landscape contractor working with my father, and so we were uh, working on a lot of these um, buildings that were filled with all these scientists and working on all kinds of uh, diseases and all these other things, you know. Uh, and they would come out to lunch and they would, you know, and, and it was, you were fearful to share with them because they're scientists, you know. And uh, But then, you know, you realize that, you know, after a while you're like, okay, there's no stumping questions. Let's get to it, you know. And so, uh, and you realize that most of the questions are basically the same questions they ask all the time. And you'll get familiar with them, and they're easy, they're basic, they're not deep. But the thing about uh, questions is that, you know, if they want to pontificate upon their, you know, their, um, I always say their ignorance, but their studies, you know. Um, I studied atomic, you're like, whoa. I, I don't know anything about that. But this is what I do know, that nothing comes from nothing. See how basic that was? And I stay there. I don't try to get into the argument of the distance of the sun and the moon and the, you know, the earth and how it would uh, heated us up and killed us if it was too close and too far we'd freeze. I don't get into any of that because then it gets into their language. I just sit there and stay right at that same place. I don't know. But I know this, that nothing can produce itself. Nothing adds equals nothing. Nothing plus nothing equals nothing. I know that. That's basic 101 science, my friends. And to say that this all started from some Big Bang or some alien would be silly. Sorry, I don't know all that atomic stuff that you're talking about, but I know this. Nothing plus nothing equals nothing. And to look at our world, you know that there was a master designer, a master planner. I stay there with all the conversations of science, guys. I don't move in any realm because then I have to study everything that they, they know. And I learned that really, you know, my first 10 years, I read everything regarding science, you know, archaeology, everything. And, and I would just keep up with the latest changes. And I realized I'm spending a lot of time learning about all this information. And it's always going to change. It's always going to change. So then I, I just said, I'm just going to stay basic and just say, I don't know about that, sir, but I know this. Any intellectual person knows nothing plus nothing equals nothing. This whole design of gases and material, it didn't have, it didn't come out all on its own because that's impossible. And humanity and the thinking mind and, and how it progressed, that's impossible evolutionists will tell you it's impossible. We're just a bunch of gases bouncing from off each other. We're not creating more knowledge or more information if we're a bunch of ball, a ga- a ball of gases. You know, We're just liquid forms bouncing off each other right now. It doesn't get better, my friends. Really simple, basic information for science and evolution and all that. Hey, there is a master designer. There is a master designer. That's where I stay. I stay real simple. Listen, if you love to study that information, you go for it. <laughs> and we'll, you know, I love Kurt. He's the creation guy, you know, in our church, and he just gives it, man. And he, if you give him, like, I'll have him come and teach the young adults, man. He's throwing so much information. In fact, my head is spinning. You're like, hey, bro, breathe. 
breathe, breathe, you know, and so but some guys love to study that, and I love it. I honor it that, that they have that time. I just don't have that time, and, um, uh, uh, and nor do I want to. And so, you know, stay basic. This is what I do know, that nothing creates this marvelous coded world, right? This, this whole world has codes of every sort. It's, it's, a, it's digital codes. Someone put it together. And that I know, my friends, that that couldn't come out of a Big Bang. That couldn't just, aliens couldn't just throw it out there. And if you believe in aliens, oh my goodness. Yeah. Right, because that's the latest, right? That's the latest now. The latest is, you know, um, they, they've been pushed, the, the evolutionists have been pushed to a corner by the creationists now. And now they're saying, well, we know that if there was an alien, he could have done it. <laughs> yeah, 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 well... How do you know that? You know, so okay. Um, fear of not knowing what to say. Um, uh, you, the basic Bible, is, and, and if you come to our classes starting tomorrow, we're going to give you basic 101 information regarding your faith. Tomorrow we we start on the third service. We're going to teach you what it means to be born again. We're going to teach you about the gospel more in depth. We're going to teach you about more in depth. We're going to teach you about um, sin. We're going to teach you about uh, salvation and uh, the uh, forgiveness. We're going to teach you about the Bible, just basic understanding of these things. All these things will help you have a great answer for everybody. Um, the, 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 the fundamental you know, information, and we're going to talk about that in our next session, is, is simply this, and, and, and we're going to look at it. The story of the gospel has a beginning, a middle, and an end. The beginning, God loved us, right? He created the whole world for us. It was perfect. He gave it to the man, and he gave man one rule. The moment you eat of the fruit of the tree is the day that you sin, the day that you will surely die, the punishment for sin. You'll be separated from me all eternity, not only in death, but your spiritual life, your spiritual being will be judged as well. So that's, you know, that was the, the, the love factor, then we know what happened in between the middle, right? Man rebelled against God. He ate of the fruit and God poured the curse on man. Since man, first man represented all mankind, that's been handed to every one of us, the sin factor. We call it the sin nature. We all rebel against God. How do we know that? Because we all die. That's the promise of judgment. You will surely die. So every man dies. I was speaking to a guy in China. We were going to see the Great Wall of China, and him and his wife were sitting there. And so I, 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 I'm a funny guy because I ask questions that will lead me to the presentation of the gospel. So I go, hey, I got some questions for you. I, I want to talk about your politics. What about your politics? What about your sports? What about religion? <laughs> oh, that was fun. Uh, I believe in yin and yang, you know, that's what he said. I believe in yin and yang, you know, the, the, the whole balance of the earth. And I go, does yin and yang tell you how it all began? The first molecule, the, first, just the beginnings? Like, no. And I'm like, well, did you know there's a book called the Bible from the Jewish Old Testament? It tells you day one, day two, day three, everything that came out and about. It tells you why there's death. Does yin and yang tell you why there's death? He's like, no. It just tells us there's the balance of life. There's life and there's death. And I'm like, so I just went on with that, you know, that whole thing. And then 
I gave him Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he's like, oh, and I have a choice, don't I? And I'm like, yep, you do. You know, you have a choice to believe. And so it was really fun just sitting with him because we had a couple hour drive and just share with him the gospel. Listen, the middle part. Man ate the fruit and we, he sinned and he gave it all to us. It's like a genetic code or, or I'm say, I should say if you're in computer terms, a virus. And now you need the antivirus, right? But Jesus, God sent his only son, still the middle part, right? God sent his son to pay for our virus, our debt, our sin. And he paid for them on the cross. God's wrath being poured out upon Jesus for our sins. We are the ones that should have that upon us. The wrath of God should be upon us, but Jesus, the son of God, said, I'll take it for you. That's great love. The end of the story, what's your response? How quick was that, right? I can typically typically, uh, give you that whole gospel message right there in three to five minutes. That quick. Now, if they're biting on some of the information I'm getting, I'm going to make it a little longer, right? Let's talk about death. Let's talk about, you know, life. Let's talk about where where your mind is. You know, are you thinking about suicide? Are you thinking about... Uh, uh, there's more information I will get. That's because of sin or add on the love of Christ. You know, and then I close it. What's your response? Do you want to give your life to Jesus now? And typically if I get that far, it's a great percentage they're going to give their life to Jesus. Right? That's the gospel. Simple. Simple. And we'll talk about that next week. But uh, I mean next week, our next session. Okay, um, fear of saying the wrong thing. So we have four things. Fear of rejection. Fear of feeling embarrassed, fear of not knowing what to say, and the fear of saying the wrong thing. Um, no worries, right? If you say the wrong thing, don't, don't worries. You know, someone will straighten it out, or you might be able to get that information and come back later on and, and get that, that conversation recorded. Which, by the way, in my Christian life, because I kept just diving into God's Word, I, I, it's very few times that I ever said something wrong. And when my, when my soul would say within me, don't, don't answer that because you don't know, I would say, hey, I'll get, a, I'll get an answer for you. I don't know about that information or whatever it was. Um, but that was very few. That was very few, uh, few times that that happened. Most of the times because I just learned basic doctrine, God gave me the answers. And so those four things are really uh, the, thing, the reason why, uh, those are the four things that challenge our faith. All these fears are real. If you are a chicken like me and you wrestle with inner fears, do yourself a big favor and deal with your fears in the prayer closet. Give your fears to God. Right? The great exchange. Uh, slide five. It said the great exchange um, is to give your fears in exchange for God's power. This is so important, guys, here. Uh, slide six is Acts chapter one, verse eight. If you have your Bibles, you can turn it or just read it up on there. I should, I should have it. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now listen, this is such an important doctrine. Um, you know, in, in Calvary Chapel, we understand that as you read through the Bible and, and, and simply study it and come out with the, you know, the correct exegesis where you're just breaking the scriptures out and 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 declaring what's there, you understand that there is, you're a sinner. You understand that you're born again in the family of God. That's God's doing, right? God illuminates you. You come to Christ. 
you're born into the family of God. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to shoot out a lot of stuff here. You guys, we, do, we teach this a few times a year, but this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says you're baptized into the body of Christ. That's born again. Okay. Now listen, when Jesus rose from the grave, he came to his disciples and he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. You guys know that? John chapter 20, verse 22. John 20, verse 22. (laughs) This is after the death, burial, and resurrection. He breathed the Holy Spirit in them. It's the first time they have the Holy Spirit in them, right? So now you read the book of Luke, and this is after. He says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. And you're like, "Mm, what are you talking about? You already gave him the Holy Spirit. Right? So there's... So you go to Acts chapter 1 and you read what we just read, verse 8, and there's a different word. It's called the upon work. So you had the Holy Spirit with, convicting you of sin. You had the Holy Spirit in you when you, com- when you confessed your sin and gave your life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You're born into the family of God, baptized into the family of God. This is a third work. The Holy Spirit upon power, dunamis. Now, don't, don't think that it's where you, you, know, you speak in tongues and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you do it. That's not, that's not the idea. The idea is here is God knows that you need the power of the Holy Spirit to share your faith. Simple. He says to them, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, that's the key word, upon. You'll see that over and over again now in the New Testament. That these guys are bold and courageous. When the Holy Spirit came upon me and gave me boldness, man, all my chicken wings left, you know. <laughs> and I was bold and courageous. And the only time I get chicken is when I start building that up in my mind. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I remember I was one time in Las Vegas and we were sharing on the, on the strip. And I would walk by and I'm like, okay, I'm going to share with that guy. And I share with that guy. And I'm going to share with that family. I'm sh- so I'd share with this family. And there was this guy. He was like six, 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 seven. He was the hugest guy I ever said. I go, I'm not going to share with him. You know? and, and the Holy Spirit said, Vaughn, share with everyone. You know? And I don't know, that, that's just, just for me. You know, the Holy Spirit may never say that to you. But he, I, I, I was, you know, so I said, oh, I turned around. And he, and he was moving towards the street. And I go, hey, buddy. And then he goes, yeah, can I help you? And I go, do you have time to hear about Jesus? He goes, oh, I would love to hear about Jesus. He goes, but my wife is pregnant and she's coming out right now and I got to track down a taxi. I go, let me help you, you know, because she was getting ready to give birth. And, 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 but, but he, was, he, was, he wanted to. And I was thinking how fearful I was not to give him an opportunity and yet he was ready. He goes, we'll see each other soon, I'm sure, you know, until so he gets in the car and takes off. But I was thinking, you know, I, I wasn't going to share with him because of my fear. Then I turned around and went back, and that happens a lot. I took a lot of um, guys one time to uh, Las Vegas, and there's the Calvary Chapel Bible College. They would ask me to take their group to Las Vegas to share with, uh, just to be with them as a chaperone and share the gospel. And so we were coming out of the hotel, and they said, "Hey, Pastor Bond, there was probably about 12 of them. They said, "Hey, can you share us, share with us how you do it?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah, just stand right here." And they were all standing on these steps, you know, and I go, oh, here comes somebody, watch this, guys, and I walk out, and I, 
and, and I kind of get up on the, because they have these um, uh, brick walls or these concrete walls that go along the street and separate the street from the walkway. And I'm leaning, leaning on, the, on, the, on the wall and this guy's walking by. I go, hey, hey, you have time to hear about Jesus? And he looked at me with these big eyes, right? And he, he goes in his pocket to pull out. And I'm like, what's, what's, he, what's he doing, right? And, and, uh, and all of a sudden he pulls out a Gideon Bible. And he says, I was asking God to send someone to tell me about this. And, and I look at the, all my guys on the curb. They can't see He can't see me. And I look over. I go, hmm. He's easy fishing. Right? So he gives his life to Jesus right there. You know? And then that inspired everybody. They're all like, let's go. You know? and it was just, you know, God sets up easy fishing sometimes. I'm going to pray that for you. That God would give you easy fishing. Because that makes it so easy. When they're ready, you're like, oh, Lord, that's awesome. That's amazing. The, you know, the great exchange, listen, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, this is where they say uh, the second or the third work of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, you need another work of the Holy Spirit. Literally, I, I like to, when I'm speaking to my Baptist friends, I like to tell them, I agree with you. I don't know why God set it up that way. I, I don't. And to me, I don't really think you need it. But the scriptures teach it. And if I want to be honest about declaring the word of God, then I have to say that the function of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is a third work of empowering you to be bold and courageous. Exchange your fears for his power. Really, he's never, the Holy Spirit is never going to make you do something crazy, run around the four, bounce, young, uh, yell, and talk in tongues. And those, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit here. Even though some of the functions you'll see, they do speak in tongues, but there's other times where they don't. But the, the biggest difference, and you'll read there in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4, boldness, and he'll say it. Boldness. That's what we need, my friends. That great exchange. God, change, exchange this for me. My fears for your power. And, it's, it's, and you can't do it naturally. It's a, it's a spiritual gift. So he tells his disciples to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit there. And they did. They waited and the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost. Right? And that's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right? Not baptism into the body of Christ. That's different. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. The empowering. It's a different word. Upon. When you read the book of Acts now, you're going to see the difference. Upon. The Holy Spirit came upon Paul. Paul's going to walk up to them and go, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they're going to say, we don't even know what you're talking about. He goes, oh, you're not saved. And he preaches, they get saved, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. You're going to see those things. You're, you're going to be blown away now. But by faith, we receive that power. The first step in being a successful messenger of God is knowing the power of God. That's it. Slide seven there. Um, this is so important. Just understanding that great exchange. Listen, when the disciples received that power, they went out throughout the known world and began to preach the gospel. That's when you see them. You're like, whoa. Acts 1 and Acts 2, now they're going for it. Right? That's what happens to the church. Right? Now, even if you don't understand it, no worries. The Holy Spirit's going to pour out His Spirit on you anyways. And so you can call it the baptism in the body of Christ. You can call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It don't matter. God knows. <laughs> You don't have to know all the details. But when you're a student like me of God's word, you kind of understand how it all functions. Okay, so 
Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 14 and 16, uh, slide 8 says this. It says this, I am obligated both, Paul saying this, to the Greek and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. And here it is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. This is so amazing that he says there that the gospel is the power of God. Listen, I don't, I don't quite grasp how that all works. I just know that when I share the gospel, I'm relying on God to do his work. <laughs> That's it. I was walking in, in Nepal up on the mountaintops, and we were uh, walking uh, high up, and we came into a little village, and they were having an elders meeting. There was like 60 of the men there, and they were having a meeting. I walk up, and my heart's coming out of my chest. I'm like, I'm dead. You know, and um, and so they all turned to look at me because I'm the foreigner, right? And I say to my uh, my my in- interpreter, "You ready?" And he says, "Yeah." And I go, "Okay, tell them this." I go, "The God who created the heaven and the earth sent me a message for them if they'd like to hear." And so he so he 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 does it, and the elders all say, "Yeah, we we want to hear." So I gave him Jesus Christ and him gospel the, the, and him crucified the beginning of that, you know, the sentence, the middle part, and the end, the full gospel message, right? God loves you. Man sinned. Jesus came, you know, to die for the sins. What's your response? I did that whole thing right there. I gave it to them. And I am relying on God to communicate to them. So I give them the invitation. More than half raised their hand to accept Jesus. And I stopped them. I go, no, no, no. You're not understanding me. I said, you want to put Jesus along with your other gods. No, no, no. This God, Jesus, is a true living God. All the others are fake. They're a bunch of frauds. And if you're willing to receive this Jesus, you're going to have to reject all those other frauds. Now who wants to receive Jesus? Not so many, but there were some. There's probably about 12, maybe a little more that received Christ, and those are the ones we invest in. But that is the power of God. Listen, they never heard the gospel. They never heard about Christianity. They never heard about God who came and died for their sins. But that's the power of God. He goes down in the soul and he causes this conviction and he causes this this knowledge to come into their heart. He illuminates and they receive. Rely on God's part, guys. He's going to do the majority of it. We just simply give the, the gospel message and let God do his work. That's why I know that if they want to receive, if they're going, when I say, do you have time to hear about Jesus? They say, yes, I know that there's a great high percentage that they're going to receive Christ because God is doing the work already. Got it? Simple, man. I understand it's God's work. That's why it's simple. Simple presentation, God's love, man's sin, Christ's death, our response. The gospel has a message that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. I hope that helps you. Remember, it has, it's just like any sentence structure there, you, you know, any paragraph, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Man, uh, God's love, man's sin, Christ's death, our response. If you remember those keys, that, that will help you in presenting the gospel. 
It doesn't matter how it comes out, but try to get those four things in there. God's love, man's sin, Christ's death, our response. You get those four things in there, you're going to see God do something pretty amazing in someone's life. And that helps you share the gospel, which is the next session. Next session, uh, what do we share? And we'll get into that because that's what I'm going to teach you is God's love, man's sin, Christ's death, and our response. The story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so... Um, this is this is so powerful, guys. When you, this is where I, I I learned a lot from my fellow workers in the faith. I learned a lot from watching evangelists share and how they presented the gospel. Some would start with a passage out of the Bible, but I always would pay attention to the closing, and they would always talk about those four things: right, God's love, man's sin. Christ's work, right? Your response. And I learned that and I was like watching. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. And I got real good at it finding that. We had a big high school program and, and I, would, I finally got it down. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I was doing high school because they're more forgiving. <laughs> but by the end of my time with the high schoolers, I had it down. And so then I could do it anywhere. And I started going to the highways and byways. But the things about the high schoolers is that you know, when you go deal with the juniors and the seniors, they want more. So I'm like, okay, well, let's go down. And this is my first time. I'm like, let's go down to the highways and the byways to the corners and preach the gospel. And so we would go down to the corner where all the, the people would hang out and we began sharing there and we would, we would learn how to do this gospel presentation. And then, I, then of course, we started doing it at, at venues where there was concerts, you know, there was you know, um, huge, uh, you know, concerts at the, the stadiums we were in and we would be out there and we would share the gospel. And we, we started going everywhere. We started going into Mexico uh, and sharing with them. And then we started using the different platforms, which I'll share about at the, our, our ending, our closing, the different ways to share. But learning that, that basic, simple presentation, God's love, man's sin, Christ's death, our response, that helped me a lot. And so learning it was amazing. And so let's take a five-minute break, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Ross to come up here, and we're going to share about uh, the gospel presentation. And so listen, I, I just want to, I want to pray for you guys right now that, that God would give you just a simple presentation. Listen, I can tell you everything I say. This is the, this is, I use many platforms to get to this point, Right? I'll bring clothes, I'll bring food, I'll bring whatever it is, wells, I'll bring all that, just so I can present this. Many platforms, one gospel message. The same gospel message. All right, let me pray that. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for your saints right now, Lord, that they would take that, well, they would hand over their fears to you right now, Lord, that great exchange would take place, Lord, that you would empower your saints, Lord, that you would give them the power of your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. We hand over our fears, our anxieties, our weaknesses. We take them to you right now, Jesus, and we say, fill us afresh with your power. Give us boldness. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us a changed mindset. In Jesus' worthy name. Amen. Let's take a little five-minute break, and then Jordan will come up and do some worship, and then Pastor Ross will come up here and, and share.
Father God, yes, indeed, we know that your wounds have paid our ransom. And Father, what this morning's all about is how to communicate that with the world at large, a world that's in desperate need of the love of God and the life that you provide. Father, we pray in these uh, last few moments together that you would speak loud and clear to our hearts and change us and make us uh, better at the family business of seeking and saving the lost. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you as you take your seat this morning. I have no idea what Pastor Bond has covered, which is so good because whatever the Holy Spirit led me to want to express this morning uh, is uh, we can, we can uh, it's, a new, it's a new day, it's a new dawn. So we can go, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, uh, whatever he's led me, I, I really believe that it will be highlighting and emphasizing truth that he wants us to take away this morning. I've been evangelizing for 42 years now. Um, evangelizing means to bring good news. That's what the word means. And I, I love Romans chapter 1, verse 1 says, the gospel of God, the good news from God himself. Sinners can be saved and, well, and escape well-deserved judgment and to be reconciled back to the Father in love, to receive forgiveness and eternal life. How? By being a good person? No, by trusting in his son. And so from that moment that uh, God led me to repentance and from that moment that he changed my life, uh, my mouth was open. It's really the dramatic testimony that most of you know. Uh, when I was 19 there, a godless party animal sinner, uh, God tore open the invisible veil you know, gave me a taste of some of the terror that awaits unrepented sinners. And once I came through those flames, those proverbial flames, as it were, and found safety in him, it was a no-brainer. My first order of business was to go straight to my friends, the people I cared about, and let them know, oh, my goodness, you're in danger. You're in danger. So... I, I knew I had to warn others there's a hell to avoid and I must convince people there's a heaven to gain. And that's the story of our lives right there. The overarching purpose of God Almighty on everybody he saves, he calls into, as I prayed, the family business to seek and save uh, the loss. And then I don't care where I've been, wherever you are and there's an unsaved person, you're in the mission field. If there's somebody there who, if they were to die that day, they would perish in their sins, and you have the answer, you have the lifeline to them, then, man, I mean, 24-7, and where do you find sinners? You find them everywhere, everywhere you are, on the bus, on the train, at work, at the gym, at Thanksgiving, at the family table. And so I like the picture of the, the, the sower who goes out to sow. He's just crazy with that broadcasting the seed. How does some seed wind up on the path? 
Wait, wait, wait. Is he a bad aim? Is he a bad farmer? Uh, but no, it ends up over there because he's just crazy generous with the seed because you never know. As I've said many times, I, I've seen a, a, almost a garden come up out of a, a crack in the concrete. And there's a, they even have them called uh, concrete gardens in Japan where they will just kind of have competitions to see who could grow the most beautiful thing in the just the tiniest little crack there in the sidewalks. And so you just never know. So I'm especially sensitive, and I think most Christians need to be aware and not going through your life as if you know it's just about Sunday or you know here and there, but wherever there's a sinner... And there's a common sense God called engagement where you you are you are sensing there's an opportunity. Of course, you we don't share the gospel with just every passerby. We don't walk into the public library and start shouting. There's some common sense elements to this. Although I feel like it, I really do. Given what we know is the, the destiny of anybody who dies without Christ. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm especially sensitive um, wherever I am and there's a sinner. So, for example, we flew down to SoCal. Uh, I took some of the guys to the Shepherds Conference, and uh, Jarrell and I got on the plane, and we swapped seats. And I just had that funny feeling, I need to swap seats with you, because something's going to happen here. I have that feeling, and I've been doing this for a long time. And sure enough, a talkative, friendly man scoots by me and sits right next to me. And then it's just it's fish on, you know, when you're fishing and you got on a bite, that's what you say out there. You say fish on because uh, I've got, I've got somebody right there. And so I started it with, you look like my side of the family. And he goes, you're Jewish family, right? And I said, exactly. I said, we could hide Moses, but not the noses. And, and, <clears throat> and he laughed and we're in. You know, here we go, you know. And so I asked questions, small talk, you know. I found out he was raised in a Reformed uh, Jewish home. And then I'm, I'm talking, well, not me. You know, you were ba- he was bar mitzvahed, I wasn't. My father was. And so we're doing this thing back and forth. Uh, he's uber wealthy. He showed me pictures of the house that he, he's an architect. He's married to a physician. Uh, unbelievable pictures of the houses uh, that they live in and own. And so then he, then he asked me a question. And what do you do? <laughs> well, I'm a Christian pastor and he says, there's a story there, isn't there? <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, and it starts with my dad. And, and so he was going to hear the story for one hour and 14 minutes <laughs> all the way down to Burbank. And so I gave him my father's testimony, Isaiah 53. Oh, I've never heard of Isaiah 53. You have to Google Isaiah 53 and read it. It'll sound like you're reading from the New Testament, but it, actually it's our Tanakh. Our Bible, you know, so just building a bridge, relating to him. And so we had to have the basically good person talk, you know, because he's basically a good person. So you have to bring out the Ten Commandments. Don't you think that if, if you, you're to measure goodness and evaluate your life, 
to be able to say I'm basically a good person, wouldn't you agree that it would be in keeping with the Ten Commandments? Yes. Okay, let's start with, have you ever lied? Well, yeah, of course I've lied. This is going on in the play. Of course I've lied. Okay, what does that make you? Liar? Okay. Yeah, have you ever taken anything uh, that uh, doesn't belong to you ever in your life? Well, yeah, probably. What, what, what does that make you? A thief. Oh, okay. Well, I do a lot of good things too. Okay, so when you steal a car and go before a judge, this is going on on the plane, you could tell the judge about the car theft. I'm basically a good person. I don't know what happened on this day. You know, I just felt like taking a car that didn't belong to me. I was going to sell it and make a little money. But you know what? I've been doing a lot of good stuff, Your Honor. And he thought that was, he goes, bingo. He goes, that's a good point. Well, when he showed me a picture of his husband, I, I played it completely cool. Like, what else? What, what else? Let's keep talking. It, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Oh, do you want me to step on the mine and blow us all up right here on the plane? The whole plane will go down. I don't want to do that. There's nothing to do with who you are attracted to. Let's continue the conversation and avoid the hot potato because it's not really a hot potato. There's a hotter potato. It's called the gospel. So let's stick uh, with that. And so... Yeah, when touchdown happened, I said everything I knew to say. I prayed the whole time, God, help me, help me, help me. Help him, help him, help him. And uh, tried to rescue him. And uh, I, I ended up by saying this, and I often do this. Listen, pray. Just ask God. Say, hey, God, I, if you're up there, you know, I have enough faith to ask you. Uh, reveal to my heart. Open my eyes. If Jesus is real, I don't want to end up in hell. And so I say, what do you have to lose by saying that and meaning it? And then when he starts answering your prayers like he did me, don't justify it. Don't write it off. Take it to heart and come and trust and believe in him. And so this is the overarching purpose of our lives. Come follow me, Jesus said. I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed. And so he's saying, I, uh, with the call comes a new vocation, a new objective in life, a new uh, mission statement, the overarching theme of our lives to catch souls that are perishing. And uh, the Son of God came to seek and save the lost. And on the same errand, he has send, uh, sent you and me. Uh, there's a variety of ways that we participate and co-labor with Christ in this, this all-consuming task of rescuing those who will be eternally lost. Just like not everybody in the saving uh, business, the rescuing business here on earth, are all um, trauma surgeons. Some are, drive the ambulance, some are EMTs, some are nurses, some are orderlies that 
bring the patient in. Some are donors to the hospital that keep the doors open. There's a lot of people who are involved, and I, I see that as God's diversity in the church with gifts and abilities and callings that all don't look like this or Pastor Bond. So do not compare yourself to a full-time, fully trained, gifted from the scriptures, uh, impassioned by the Holy Spirit to do this thing. Your thing is going to look a little bit different with the common <laughs> commonality of there's a lost person that needs to get pointed to Christ, right? And so there are a lot of different uh, ways that can go. I think that if our talking points would be this, you know, uh, how do we become better at fishing for souls? And I think uh, fishing as a metaphor was a great example that the Lord Jesus gave us because, you know, you're not just good at fishing. I mean, you can go with your kid down to the lake and not care about anything and not know anything and by good luck catch something. But if you're serious about fishing, there's skill, there's strategy. Not all fish bite at the same thing. You know, are we going to use a lure? What kind of lure? There are a million different kinds of lures depending on your knowledge of who you're dealing with, what fish you want to catch, right? And so there's a lot of skill and a lot of discipline and, and some expense that goes in to being good at catching fish. And the same is true with good at catching souls. I, I think three things, real quick, uh, will help you and me to be better at this fishing for men. Number one, understand the need. Number two, understand the call on your life and understand the means by which we save souls. Understand the need. You know, remember, if you watched Nick at Night, maybe if you're young, uh, but if you're old like me, lost in space with the robot that used to walk around going, danger, danger, Will Robinson. And uh, yeah, that is really the understanding the need. If you truly believe, I think that my faith in the scriptures of the eternal loss and perishing of a soul that dies in their sins has done more for me to be a faithful evangelist than anything else. Because when you stop to think of all the scriptures that Jesus gave us about hell, listen to this. Jesus doesn't only refer to hell. He describes it in great detail. He says it's a place of eternal torment, Luke 16, 23, of unquenchable fire, Mark 9, 43, where the worm does not die, Mark 9, 48, where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret, Matthew 13, 42, and from which there's no return, even to warn loved ones, Luke 16, 19 through 31. He calls hell a place of outer darkness, Matthew 25, verse 30, comparing it to a garbage dump, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Jesus talks more about hell than he talks about heaven and describes it more vividly because he doesn't want anybody to go there. There's no denying that Jesus knew, believed, and warned about the absolute reality, reality of hell. So with stakes that high, for me, you, you know what? Where there's a will, there's a way. If I walk by a house 
and I see flames and smoke coming out. I don't need to be a firefighter. I don't need to worry about, am I going to do something wrong? Or you, you know what? There's somebody asleep in the house. Who cares if, uh, you know, did I break a protocol? Or, you know, I'm not properly trained. And what if they don't want to be woken up in there? Oh, my goodness. What if they get mad and, and try to throw some rocks at me while I'm trying to save them? I mean, these are things you have to consider, but does it really matter? Does it really matter? Unless, of course, you don't buy it. You don't believe it. And that's the problem why there's a lack of evangelism going on in many Christians' lives, because it's a lack of faith. It's just a lack of faith. They don't really believe or take into heart, because there's no way you won't reach out of your comfort zone if you truly believe you see the flames you see the demons around them laughing and so glad they have them in their silly ideologies that are damning their souls and you don't say anything no that that's the guidance that's how that's how you 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 reach out with passion and caring and you go after them. I, I, don't, I don't want you to be crazy and obnoxious and socially odd about it the way I could be taken right now. But I think that should be burning inside of us. And so that's what's important for understanding the need. Jesus said, whoever has the son has life. If you don't have the Son, you shall not see life, for the wrath of God remains on you. And I know, and you know, there is one name given among men under heaven by which, by which we must be saved, Acts 4, 12. So if that's the case, and faith comes by hearing, it has to happen. I'm going to find the way. Number two, we understand the call of God. We don't just understand their desperate need, but the call of God. I love uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Pastor Bonnie probably mentioned this, that we have the ministry given to us called the ministry of reconciliation, that God was, quoting 2 Corinthians 5, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, uh, as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, who made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become right with God, to finish the rest of that verse there. When we're saved, you're drafted, you're recruited. The second you're on the lifeboat, he says, lend a hand, lend a hand. Look out there. Everybody's splashing around, drowning. Lend a hand. Lend a hand. Lend a hand. Build up the church. Give to the church. Pray for the pastors. Invite them to church. There's something you can do. You're not going to be able to recall scriptures like a pastor. That's his gifting. That's his calling. Don't get down on yourself. I'm going to get to that. I don't want to jump ahead, but man, you really, he doesn't require you to be a theological genius. He really doesn't. So <clears throat> I think that 
five metaphors he gives us will show us the different nuances of the church, how we uh, do this matter of saving. Number one, fishing for men, as we talked about, it implies purposefulness, preparedness, skillfulness, 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 strategies. You don't go after a gay, wealthy architect the way you go after a kid who was raised in the church who didn't never connected with the Lord. Atheists are different from spiritually inclined people, new age people, Buddhists, all kinds of things. So you, uh, the, the analogy here is know who you're talking to and relate the gospel in ways that they could understand uh, to shine the light, a city on a hill. So here's Jesus talking about more your behavior to, as Titus 2.10 says, that we should make by our lives the gospel attractive to outsiders, you see? So, for example, people come up to you and they say, you know, hey, I noticed that you have this peace when everything around you is in chaos and, and, and they're thirsty, you're making them thirsty, so the next one would be the salt of the earth making people desire to have what you have, the kind of marriage. I got asked once the greatest compliment of all was uh, just to hear somebody say, I want the kind of marriage that you have with Barb. Now, how do I get that? Well, let me tell you, nothing short of a miracle of grace of God. So come to know uh, Jesus. Uh, behavior is so important. I told you the story about the the uh, guy who ended up coming to church, getting saved, because the gal in his apartment complex was always cleaning out the lint trap of all of the dryers, you know, and and he just noticed that, and he said, I don't even clean out my lint trap at home. I mean, I just never do that. It's just such a dog. Who does that? And why do you always do that? Well, I'm just trying to be helpful. You know, I want to please the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Invited him to church. Comes to church, hears the gospel, gets saved. Why? Because she cleaned out the lint trap for Jesus. For Jesus. She's seeking. I want to be a good witness, you know. You see, people are watching, people notice. When you're forgiving somebody who really massively hurt you, like, what's your problem? Somebody just embarrassed you in front of the whole county of Sonoma, and you still love them. What, what, what's up with you? Well, let me tell you. Our behavior, where a city on the hill, uh, then another metaphor but the inviters, he says, you're my inviters. Heaven is kind of like this royal wedding ceremony. At least eternal life gets inaugurated with this big party. And it's like the king has invited everybody. And, and you, once you get saved, you're an inviter. That's your job. And you're going out there, you're inviting people, you know. And uh, you don't have to know much to invite somebody. You really don't. How about a Samaritan woman? 
broken. She's had five husbands, and now she's shacking up with some dude who's not her husband, which Jesus knows about and tells her that, you know, and makes her thirsty for this living water, and she wants it. And so he says, go and tell your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And then he lays it out. She, he goes, you just said the truth right there because you've had five horrible relationships they're all exes now. And the guy you're living with now, he's not even your husband. So you just told me the truth. You're not married. So she goes back into town and says, here it is, the invitation. She didn't go to seminary. She has zero Christian experience. She doesn't know where one scripture is in the Bible. Come meet a man who told me all about me and didn't even know me. Could he be the Messiah? Question mark. So the villagers went out and they come back to her and say, hey, we no longer believe just on your word, but now we have heard for ourselves and we believe he is the savior of the world. Why? She just invited people. Oh, how about you? Come meet a man and fill in your blank. Fill in your blank. Come meet a man who... Even though I was raised in a broken family and two alcoholics and thought I was going to die by, before I was 18, now I'm a pastor. Come meet a man who took my drunkenness, my rage, my emptiness. Come meet a man who, even though I was a basically morally good guy and successful and paid my taxes, I was empty inside. Come meet a man who could take a guy like that and satisfy me. Come meet a man who, fill in your blank because you're the inviter. Last one, uh, ambassadors. An ambassador is the king has given the ambassador the highest authority, his own signet ring. Speak for me. You know, smooth things out. Make a way for, for my kingdom and them to get along. Just fine. Do you remember the confusing thing Jesus said in Matthew 18? I give you guys the keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever things you bind on earth, here's what he's saying. I've entrusted to you the standards of the gates of eternal life. And whatever things you bind, you prevent. That means prevent people from entering. The things that prevent men and women from entering through the gates have been entrusted to you so that you're able to say the things that have been allowed or loosed, it means to be allowed. So he's got us on the border in the toll booths. We're the ones who say, okay, it's by faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, the gate will open. Well, how about my good works? Uh, nope, the gate doesn't open to you for that. Well, you can try bashing it down, but we're not. We'll call the authorities. You're not, you know, he'll call the authorities. You're not getting in for that. So we are the ambassadors. You have, you know, when somebody says, I am a Christian, praise God. You know, and they, 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 they're not born again. Their, their life doesn't show any sign of spiritual pulse whatsoever. You're able to say, you know, Jesus said in First John, it says of the Lord speaking, if you love me, you keep my commands. So where are you keeping the commands? 
these kinds of things. So we are the gatekeeper of sort. Now the last point, we understand the means by which we reach them this way. Two things, substance and style. The substance is the gospel. Do not, as I think I heard, the tail end. Don't be distracted by human sexuality, political nonsense, political nonsense. Oh my goodness, just stop it. Once, it, once you hear yourself talking about it in the, in the context of, of gospel and Christianity, stop. It's not the point. It's not the point. Why are you going to tell anybody in Jesus' name what they can get on the cable news? Is that your job? No, the cable news network can tell them what they need to know on this earth. But you've got a message from another source. You've got a message from God. So, so keep it that way. Remember I told you about the guy, the kid in the bike shop who was swapping out my pedals. And I said to him, uh, <clears throat> uh, he was a friendly kid. I invited him to church. He seemed interested. And then I said, you, do you know the gospel? And he goes, I don't think so. And I said, can you, will you give me one minute? You can look on your clock. One minute. Just give me one minute to explain what the gospel is. And he goes, okay, go. And I was like, dear Lord, this is going to be a miracle <laughs> for a God like me. We were born, you know, Adam and Eve, that whole story. We were born sinners, estranged from God, separated by our sin. So God in love became one of us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he laid down on that cross and died for all of your sins. So, and God took out the punishment on him and him alone. And then he said, whoever believes in him, you will be given his moral perfection and he will take away all of your sins. And then he'll raise you to new life. Bing. Bing, one and done, and he goes, he reached out his arm and goes, goosebumps. You know, it's going to take more than goosebumps to get you into the kingdom of heaven, right? But it's a step in the right direction. It's the gospel, it's the power of God. Don't forget that. And if all you ever do is keep saying John 3.16 over and over and over again and keep inviting them to church and inviting them to come meet a man who changed my life, just come and meet him. You're doing well. Stay focused. And then the, the style or the delivery, Bill Bridges. I love Paul the Apostle when he said, look, when I'm dealing with kosher Jews, I live like a kosher Jew without moral compromise. And when I live among Gentiles who have no Jewish understanding, I live, morally speaking, within moral uh, confines like a, a Gentile. And so when they're hurting, I'm hurting with them. When they're scared, I, I tell them about, you know what scares me? I've got fears too. You know, Build a bridge. Maximize your, the things you have in common. We are the same species as unbelievers. Sometimes I feel like I need to say that to people or to my own self. Maximize the things you have in common and you just start caring. Listen, nobody really... I mean, I think what Paul's saying there is to 
care about the person, to listen to them. He says, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing what everything I can to save some, to win the weak to Christ, the strong to Christ, to do everything to spread the gospel and share in its blessings. And so, you know, I've mentioned this before as well. I had uh, in high school, I would get an A in any class the teacher showed me any kind of affection. I was starving for affection with parents who were uh, doing the best they could, but a substance abuse problems. I was starving, and somebody would learn my name on day one, boom, I'd get an A. And show an interest in me, I, I could do it. I could do it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to show him or her. Look how smart I can be. I'm listening to you because you care about me. And the teacher that kept calling me Ron over and over and over again, no offense if your name is Ron or Russ. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Russ. Oh, it's Ross, actually. Hey, Russ. You know, listen, if you're just up there to lecture at me, I'm not interested and you're not very interesting anyway. Oh my goodness, what a difference when somebody you're sharing the gospel with doesn't feel like another notch on your belt or a target or you're my next project, you know? No, you actually care and you can't fake that. You can't fake it. He has to give you a concern and a compassion like I know, listen, I already know, if you're here, you got that, you have that, and you have a lot of what I've been saying. So it may may sound like I'm preaching at you saying, hey, you need to become this way, but if your very presence here is telling me you're already on board with most of this and you're just wanting to fan the flames, amen? So yeah, kind, loving, but don't dare water down the chemotherapy. Don't water down the chemotherapy. Listen, you need to be as least offensive as humanly possible with something that is hugely offensive in itself. Let the gospel slap them. Don't you do it. You deliver it quite nicely and kindly and humbly and the gospel will take care of itself and it will because it'll say you're helpless, you're hopeless, you're a sinner, your good deeds are like filthy rags. There's no way to fix it by saying, oh, I'm going to accommodate so not to offend them. No, they need the full strength. They need the full strength. And I close out with that pharmacist. Remember I told you about, I mentioned in my sermons here and there, a pharmacist who wanted to make a quick buck. He diluted the chemotherapy ingredients so that he could make more money. And he got busted because they traced back, the hospitals traced back to his pharmacy why people were dying at higher rates of the same cancer. That's exactly when we say, look, I don't want to cause you to be upset or nauseated because that's what chemo does. I've had chemo. 
It makes you sick to your stomach. But guess what? I'm still alive 20 years later because I got sick to my stomach 20 years ago. And the same way 42 years ago, I got sick to my stomach and my soul when I had to hear about hell and condemnation and dying and standing before a holy God and a lake of fire makes you queasy. But it also makes you saved if you combine what you're hearing with faith. Let's pray. Father God, <clears throat> just some more <laughs> fuel for the fire. These firebrands already love you and they're just waiting to be um, stirred up by the breeze of the Holy Spirit. May that happen as a result of their faithfulness to come out on a rainy Saturday morning and, and hear two crazy wide-eyed evangelists uh, going on in fanatical ways of the gospel that can save a man's soul from perishing forever and grant an undeserving sinner to be a co-heir with Christ Jesus, the Son of God. So thank you, God, just burn bright in us and give us what we need, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you have like five more? Do you have a, do they have a few more minutes? Do you, why don't you come over here and why don't we have a Q&A time? Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do because oh, some okay. are asking about ministering to their families and not in the, the, the inner woman, yeah. you know, can you address those areas? And then they'll ask some questions. Dealing with, with Dealing with family. Okay, dealing with family. Okay. Dealing with family is different than dealing with somebody on the plane who you're never going to see again. You get one shot, right? And the, the mistake you make with the family is treating them like this is my one shot every time you see them. You're hooked to them. They're hooked to you. You have to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit for each conversation. So I'm not, it's hard to give you a broad statement, but I will give you this broad statement. If you're in relationship with them, take your time. Take your cue from them. When they're like, don't push, don't push. Ask permission. Hey, can we have a spiritual conversation? Sometimes I get a yes and sometimes I get a no. Honor it. But ask. It's so polite. It's like, oh, that reminds me of something. Is it okay with you if we if I just mention something about church? So prayerfulness sometimes once they know, they know. And what we make the mistake of with family is thinking more words is the answer. Just more words. Surely I, I just need to convince you with more words, more words, more words. No. More words are not the answer to somebody who knows. More love, more mercy, more modeling. I told you the greatest thing my dad ever did, he had no idea. He, he tried to witness to me with words. It was... In one ear, out the other, I loathed it. I tried to avoid him when he had the Bible open because I knew he would try to get me. 
but he did something that pushed me close to Christ that he never knew. I've told you this before. We pulled up at a stop sign on a Saturday, and there was a kid on his bike. And my dad went, hey, hey, and waved at the kid. And the kid saw him, and they waved, and he rolled on. And I said, do you know him? He goes, no. Why'd you do that? And he goes, cute little kid. Saturday, I'm happy. Hey, cute little kid. I literally thought, who are you? And what have you done with my father? My father's not that guy. Do you see? So just live your Christian life in front of them out loud. And uh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. My dad never knew to his dying day. I never told him that because I didn't think about it. I remember sitting in the car thinking, there might be a God. Honest, I thought there, this might be a God. Questions? Yeah. It's the trump card. It's the, yeah. I've got the little advantage of being able to say, me too, you know. So, but this is what I do. They, they love the trump card, and everybody has one. I'm Catholic, you know. I'm Jewish. I'm Buddhist, you know. So when they do the trump card, I say, wow, congratulations. Did you know Jesus was Jewish as well? Or uh, I would say, listen, if, if the timing lets you, say, I want to read something to you. It'll take less than one minute, I'm going to read something and just tell me where I'm reading from. Turn to Isaiah 53 and then read from about verse 3 to about verse 7. Read that paragraph about uh, by his stripes, God laid on him the iniquity of us all, that by his flogging we're made whole. Uh, Just beautiful. And they'll say always, Oh, that's Jesus in your New Testament. No, it's not. It's Isaiah in your Bible. You know, a a lot of them. Yeah, Isaiah 53. It's called the forbidden chapter. Rabbis don't allow it to be read because they say it confuses people. (laughs) Confuses. Of course it does. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. For me, when a Jew does that, it's just like, just, you know, so surprising. Matthew chapter 1, I'll say, Matthew chapter 1 starts with a Jewish genealogy from Abraham to the first verse of the New Testament, sir, written by a Jew with 100 Jewish Old Testament references. The first book, the first book has about 90 to 100 point backs to the Jewish Old Testament written by a Jewish man 
with all of this Jewish beautiful stuff and starts with the Jewish genealogy that traces Jesus back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and King David. So they're shocked. They think the New Testament is some kind of Catholic. They all think it's Catholic and Gentile hating, uh, Gentiles who hate the Jews. Somebody else, yeah, Red. Yeah, I, I get this all the time, and I go straight to born again. I go straight to John three three. Well, you say you're a Catholic. Well, as long as are you born again? Because that's what Jesus said. There's only one requirement, and it didn't say Catholic. It says you must be born again. So I just go straight to born again with any Trumpster. So, sorry for lack of a better term. Whoever says I don't need the gospel because I've got this. Then I bring out the John 3.3. 3. Unless you're born again, Jesus said, you know, you told me you're a Greek Orthodox. I don't see that in the text. What I see is born again by the Holy Spirit, trusting in Jesus and his, then you got a door into the gospel from born again. Yeah, Rose. Except that these uh, Catholic siblings of mine. Yes. Don't know anything about the Right, so there are Catholics who could care less about being even Catholic. Catholic Catholicism functions for them as just like a way to assuage their guilt, to to take it down a notch. It works for them. They can go in one way and go out the same way. They're not challenged, they got their religion, right? So for them, I go straight to felt needs. A felt need is like an anxiety, a fear, a fear of death, <clears throat> a doctor's telling them, you know what, this doesn't look so good. You know, because their Catholicism trump card will not bring any peace for them. So that's where you go in when they're afraid of something or anxious about something or feeling guilt or confused or they need wisdom. See, Catholicism as a system doesn't speak to that. So now you've got this personal savior who loves them and will talk to them and be with them. That's what I would do. Somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I were you, I wouldn't you I wouldn't get into a theological debate with them, though I think it would be good to be prepared if the conversation ever happens <clears throat> to find one place with them. My one place to go with them is Isaiah forty three ten. I am the Lord, I am the only God. Beside me there's no other gods. And so I just I just start right there. Look, you guys teach that there are multiple gods. The Bible, Yahweh says there's only one God. He didn't make any before him. You guys say there is. So I just hang out on, I'll take one verse, usually about the deity of Jesus with the cult, because that's the kingpin. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses say he's a created being. The Mormons say he's one God in a pantheon of many gods. You know, so I go to Jesus usually and just drive, just stay there. That's all you need to talk about. Better than that is to win them with love, something non, 
non-words. I've been doing this for 42 years with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, and I rarely have seen <clears throat> any good come from an hour-long, very spirited conversation. So I, I think that um, John says to us, don't even welcome them in, their, in your house, meaning to false prophets and false teachers, meaning you're not equipped. You're not equipped. They've been to school for this. They're equipped. You're not equipped to wrangle with them about that, nor, I, nor do I think it just ever is really helpful. I think loving them, helping them, serving them, oh my word, just doing acts of kindness and mercy blows people's minds. You know, hey, I was thinking about you today and praying for you, doing things that the Holy Spirit inspires you because you don't have the Holy Spirit. So they don't know about uh, dying to sin and living in joy. They have a religion, religious system which they are enamored by. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then, I know, it's terrible because they use the same words and they mean something totally different. I know. Prayer, I, I, I heard <clears throat> a saying that I've adopted, more talking to God about them than to them about God. Right? Sometimes. I mean, this loving people to Jesus, uh, I don't go for because uh, when it's abused, because sometimes people use that to say, well, I don't, I, I preach the gospel with love. It's like, <laughs> sooner or later, you're going to have to open your mouth and tell them the truth that they don't want to hear. <laughs> Couple more? Yeah. Well, sorry. We'll start in the front. That's okay. You're 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 you live next to each other. You know, <clears throat> you don't want to be the obnoxious religious right. neighbor, right? Because that's my job. <laughs> Navari's doing a really good job of it. No, they both they both like me. Um, I think they probably would talk bad about me behind my back. But um, one one is coming closer and closer and another one is just uh keeping the distance but very jolly they're both they both uh, we have very yeah but i just you know what here's the key follow the lead of the holy spirit you have to if you don't take that into consideration you're not going to be effective you're going to blow things up you're going to miss your cues it all has to be even while they're talking i'm like totally interceding God show me show me show me and just follow however they're going you know you know just really important there were some other hands here yeah oh well no no, yes, you can, because it's the word of God is so powerful. It's the word of God. It will unlock her. So, 
Yeah, I know. Well, I know, but that's what this it says. I would work it. I will. I wouldn't. Yes, I would hear that, but I wouldn't tell myself you can't use the Bible. I would tell myself look for ways, look for ways to get it in there because it's like tossing a hand grenade, a loaded hand grenade to somebody. The Word of God, you know. Use the Word of God, but you know, and then go after felt need. The felt need. You know, when she says, oh, my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do, X, Y, and Z. And then you say, well, I know how you feel about the Bible, but it does say, boom, that's what I would do. Yeah. As long as they don't steal your television (laughs) while they're calling you grandma and telling you how wonderful your brownies are. Involve men. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I would reach out to godly men who they would look up to, a youth pastor, uh, Andy Amaya, uh, J- J- obviously Pastor Joe, these youth workers, these young adult men, that bond has a million of them raised up. To have one of those guys go, say, you want to go for yogurt at frozen and ice cream or... Yeah. Okay, we have time for two more. There's in the back. I would open up the Bible next to her. I would open up the Bible to John 3 or to John 3.16 or to some heavy-hitting salvation scripture, and I would read it with her from the page, and then I would walk her through. I would say, have you done this? Have you confessed your sins, not to a priest, but to Jesus? Has the Holy Spirit come into your heart and raised you to new life? I would I would just get really one-on-one with her and open the Bible right on your lap and show her the words. Uh, this is what your Lord Jesus of the Catholic Church says. So I just want to make sure that you're just not, that you're safe, sister of mine. Right? Somebody else said, uh, I, your hand has been up a long time. Is it Marianne? I can't see anything.
No. Nice. The word of God, and then let him get mad at Jesus. I mean, do you know what I mean? I mean, what else can you do? It's in red. It's right there in the Bible. I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm just showing you what Jesus said. Yeah. Jan, anything here? Yeah, so what I usually say is I I really respect that you want everybody to get along and respect because that's what Jesus wants us to do is to show kindness to people, but not at the expense of truth. So I know, you know, this is one thing that the Bible does. I always tell people, listen, this is going to be offensive. I already know it's offensive, but Jesus said it. And Jesus said that there's only one way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. So I didn't make that up. But he said that. So I'm concerned on your behalf because you don't seem to acknowledge that. And so, yeah, that's what I started. I, I, I also use the analogy about uh, man-made religions as lad. They're all ladders from helping mankind to get up to heaven. So it's either the eight steps here, the Ten Commandments, the you know, uh, the five-fold path of Islam, they all have things for you to do. Only Christianity is the ladder that comes down. So I use that analogy when, when someone's giving me the other religion thing, is, is that where is there, all religions are the same, where is the religion that says God does everything, he dies for your sins, and you just trust him and do, you do nothing? Where's that religion? Well, there isn't one. Because it's God's ladder down. To risk you. Last question. Yeah, I always say, well, you are willing to risk a lot. Have you ever been wrong? Because uh, my problem with you, ma'am or sir, is um, that yes, it is your truth, but what what is holding your, what's the foundation of your truth? My truth has got thousands of years it's the bible but you're putting all your chips on one thing where you where what's the basis i'm interested i'm just asking what is your basis and then they'll go world it's like so you've put your whole eternal soul all the chips on one little spot there that's not really you don't even no, and you you admit that you could be wrong. I just hate to see you put a make a wager that could be so costly as to cost you forever. Because that's what the Bible says; it's forever. So, uh, long story short, uh, people, I like to put in front of them eternity is a long time. We're talking about eternity. You know, just let people know you're taking a chance here. Because it wagers. Uh, what's this? A pastor's uh, wager. That famous argument is if you are a Christian, you have nothing to lose. You're living a higher moral life. You have community. You have peace. I mean, what if it's you, you get to the end and there's no Christianity, there's no Jesus, whatever. 
you, you don't lose anything. But if you're wrong, you lose everything. You see, that's called Pascal's wager. All right, Bon, Pastor Bon, you got anything? Come on, you got a PS? Well, that's I think Thank we were supposed so for us. we were supposed to do that together. If you're busy, busy schedule. We appreciate it. I have to I'm go. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just I, gonna I'm close it out. And okay. We'll go down. Thank right. you so much. Yeah, yeah, Love yeah. you, brother. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you. Um, since we only have like 15 minutes, let's just close that last handout that you have, and then um, and then we'll call it a day. So we're excited that you've been here and joined joined us for this. It's been really awesome. Um, just remember that uh, there's a counterfeit and then there's truth. That's really, the counterfeit is always going to look like the truth, but it's a counterfeit. That's what I tell everybody and, and it always gets them to thinking. But your evangelism uh, is up there on the, on the, there you go. So this is the, the last one. Uh, we talked about a simple presentation. Uh, uh, God's love, man's sin, Christ's death. Our response, the story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Simple presentation. Just develop that. If you develop that well and let God do his work, it's, 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 it's amazing. Um, and so uh, let, let the gospel, the power of God to salvation, let him have his work. Um, now, I can count at least 10 different gospel presentation tools that I've used throughout my lifetime. I could still use any of them at any, uh, at any time to share the gospel uh, with a, a spiritually lost person today, and and I, you know, and that's what the tracks are for back there, so that you can learn how to present it different ways. And there's no exact way, you know. If you go to Living Waters, this is the way. It's the the law, you know. You you send, and you need a savior. And I love that Pastor Ross did that right with the guy. You a good person test, uh, the good pe- good person test. Have you sinned? Have you lied? You know, have you committed adultery? Of course, we all say yes. And then where are you going to go when you go to heaven before a holy God? The answer, of course, is hell. So Ross did that one. I won't have to do that one for you. But here's a few of those tracks, and, and, and we'll talk just briefly about them. Romans Road, if you put that in there, you have the Romans Road. You have that on your sheet. Uh, memorize verses from the book of Romans to present the gospel. Uh, and you can look at that, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so this is one way to present the gospel. Uh, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you memorize all these Roman road scriptures, that gives you a good gospel presentation there. The four spiritual laws... If you go to the next one, uh, I'm just going briefly through them. I would typically take the time to uh, go through them all, but for the sake of time, we'll just cover a few of these. Um, the four spiritual laws, law one, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Law two, man is sinful and separated from God. As a result, we cannot know God's wonderful plan for our lives. Uh, law three, Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. Through Jesus Christ, we can have our sins forgiven and be restored to a right relationship with God. And then finally, the fourth law, uh, we must place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior in order to receive the gift of salvation and know God's wonderful plan for our lives. This coincides with my example in the beginning. 
God's love, man's sin, Christ's death, our response. The story has a beginning, a middle, and then steps uh, to peace with God. Of course, it's out there. You guys can look at that one. Uh, God loves you and wants you to experience peace and life abundant and eternal. Step two, we choose to disobey God and we go our willful way. This results in separation from God. Three, Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave. He paid the penalty for our sins and bridged the gap between uh, God, a holy God, and a sinful band of people, group. And so step four, we must trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, receive him by our personal invitation. So all these tracks, by the way, are pretty amazing uh, to help you present the gospel. So there's the bridge. Uh, you see that Christ is the one that bridges the holy uh, God and the sinful man and bridges that gap where we can be reconciled. The YMCA, of course, it's there, the ABC of salvation. Gospel life uh, in six words. I love that. You guys can see that one on your own. And then the wordless book. And by the way, uh, Laura brought the wordless book. Can you come up here, Laura? Where is she at? There she is. Come up here and do a presentation of it. Uh, And she's like, I don't want to preach before men. I go, no, we believe that here in the Calvary Chapel. Uh, But you're welcome here because I am in an authoritative position here as the man. So the woman, (laughs) Laura, go ahead and share that, how that works. Thank you for clearing that up. Almond, I'm a Petalumen, and I usually come to the 1130 service. Um, I love to share the gospel whenever God gives me an opportunity. There are, it's obviously a divine appointment, right, through the Holy Spirit. We're, we don't want to get ahead of the Lord, and we don't want to be behind him. We want to be right in step with the Lord. So we just wait on him for those opportunities. And when I have an opportunity, I'll, I, I think the most powerful way to do it is person to person, face-to-face with your words. Now, I do hand out tracts. You know, when I go into a store, um, somebody gives me a receipt, and I'll say, hey, did you get one of these? You can read it on your break. It's good news, a gospel tract. But um, if I have an opportunity to go a little further than that as the Lord leads and I get into a conversation with somebody, I will keep one of these wordless books in my purse, and you can get these online. Um, I've got some extra ones. I'll, I'll try to bring some tomorrow at the 1130 service if I remember. But um, so it, when I'm having a, a shorter conversation with somebody, um, you know, not like at the store or something, and um, it gets kind of convoluted, maybe they'll, they'll start bringing up, you know, that they're a Buddhist or they believe in um, evolution or they're into their own spirituality or new age or something. And it's kind of getting off the rails, but yet they're still talking with me. They're kind of interested, but kind of, you know, defensive. Then I'll say something to the effect that, well, can I share the gospel with you? And just, you know, I have the, have you ever heard of the wordless book? It's, you know, I'll just take five minutes or whatever or less. Um, And if they will give me an opportunity, then I will pull this out. Um, Something to keep in mind, though, is that people's attention span is typically their age. So you can you can use this with the kindergartners. You got five minutes, right? Five years old. Uh, With adults here, you know, you got about an hour until people start zoning out on you. But here you go. Um, And if you don't use the wordless book, you can keep the colors in your mind because it will help you remember the main points about the gospel. And the first color you start with is gold. And so um, you say, hey, okay, so here's the first color. It's going to explain, you know, the Bible, the big book, but you haven't read it yet necessarily, have you? Well, here we go. The first color is gold. And what it tells us is that God loves us. 
He's perfect. He lives in heaven where the Bible says there's streets of gold. And he's never done anything wrong. He's our creator. He made the sun, the planets, the animals, the flowers. He made you. And he's a God of love. He loves everybody. But we have a problem. And that takes us to our next color. God cannot have anything imperfect in heaven. This is the dark color. We don't call it black because some people are racially sensitive. You can, but some people might be offended. So you call it the dark color. And uh, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23, I think. Anyway, so that's your sword, right? The word. You memorize some key scriptures as we've been learning today. And you bring those scriptures out. Um, So we're separated from God by our sins. He can't have any sin in heaven. So then, uh, but we want to be in heaven with with God. And uh, he wants us to be there too. So then you go on to your next color. And that's the red color. But God loves us so much. He didn't want us to be separated from him by our sins. So he came down from heaven, was born as a human being, and he took our punishment for us, for the wrong things that we've done. And who is that? The Bible tells us it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God sent his son to be born as a man. We celebrate his birthday on Christmas. He was born a little baby, but he didn't stay a baby. He grew up to be a full-blooded man, just like you, perhaps, sir, uh, if you're talking to a man. And he was not only fully man, he was fully God. But he was different from you and I in that he never did anything wrong ever. And then... He allowed mankind, people, people who were jealous of him, who hated hated him, to take our sin debt, our penalty. He allowed himself to be crucified on a cross, and he took our punishment, the punishment we deserve, and that is the death penalty. So when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the moment we do, he cleanses us, and then we come to our fourth color, which is the clean color. And that means when we place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we join God's family. Our sins, our sin debt, our punishment is washed away. And we we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. So you can make this very, very simple for children, and you can you know make, make it be more drawn out for adults. Now, and then this is the point that is easy to forget, but if you can write it on your brain, after the clean color, try to bring it home with them and say, you know, would you like to ask Jesus to to be your savior now? We can do that right now. Or you know what? If you're not sure, you can just ask him. When you go home, just send up a prayer and say, dear God, is Jesus your son? I would like to know you better. And Ask God to help you understand him. And, and you can you learn through his word, the Holy Bible, because there's all kinds of different teachings in different churches, and a lot of people have false information, but you go right to the word to know the truth. So if they're willing, you can say, you know, or sometimes what I'll say to people is I'll say, what do you, what do you think about Jesus? And right then, many times people will say, oh, well, I, I do believe that. And there you go. That's starting point. You're planting a seed, and then they're starting to grow right then. Now, if you get that far, you can say a little prayer with them, a short prayer, a sincere prayer from the Holy Spirit, and, and, and ask them you know, to receive Christ as their Savior and have them pray along with you. Then you go on to the fourth color, and I'm the fifth color, rather, and this is the green color. And so you can say, okay, so green, what does that remind you of? Well, it's grass. And, uh, you know, or growing, okay? So grow is G-R-O-W, G-R-O-W. And what does that mean? The G is for go. 
go to church. Now, you don't want to go to any church. You want to go to a church where they believe in Jesus and they read, read and teach the Bible. And then the R for grow is read the Bible. You know, how are we going to know God and know the truth and know right from wrong and what's, you know, correct what God wants us to know unless we read his word. And then the O is obey God. Then the W is witness. Tell others the good news like I'm telling you now. And uh, so basically that's the wordless book. Well, it's pretty uh, simple. Yeah. And it's, it, it, yeah. it's, <laughs> anyway, I would encourage you. It's a great tool. Thank you. Oh my goodness, Lauren. That was awesome, Lauren. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Is that the bracelet? What is that? Oh, jelly beans. Yeah. Perfect, Lily. I love that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We welcome them. Um, we're we're going to try to have a table out there with tracks quite often, you know, um, especially when I'm around. You know, I, I usually do. We're going to order those invitation cards. We'll get a, a thousand of them, and you guys can take those with you. Uh, and so these are just simple tracks to use. And I want to I want to close out this last section here. Uh, presenting the gospel, bring it up. Do we got that? Do I have that up there? So, so presenting the gospel, bring it up. Often we don't share the gospel with someone because we think they are not ready to hear it. And I gave you early on the red light, green light, yellow light scenario. Just act like it's green light. They're ready to receive, and we talked about that. So I'm going to skip that part. Um, uh, and so keep it simple with each of these uh, evangelism tools. Help to do is to keep the message of the gospel simple. If the message is simple, it will be clear, it will be understandable, it will be reproducible. Land the plane. One of the hardest things for us to do when we share the gospel with someone is to close the deal. Uh, and I say that land the plane. Uh, we stammer, we struggle, and uh, just leave the conversation unfinished. Uh, just bring it to an end. Give that ending. Uh, um, opportunity for them to receive Christ. Um, what do you think? Does this make sense? Would you like to put your trust in Christ alone for forgiveness and eternal life? I just end it very quickly. As soon as I present it, I end it right there. I said, hey, would you like to receive Christ now? I was in Canada and we were sharing at um, a university town and I was on this table and I had sent guys ahead because we were going to do a, an outreach there in Kelowna uh, Canada, and they told me, oh, Bon, no one gets saved there. It's just hard. It's hard plowing there. And I'm saying, the Lord's saying to go, so we're going to try it out. And um, so I sent probably about 10 guys ahead of me for two weeks, and they led no one to the Lord. And so when I arrived with my crew, they came very disappointed, and they were uh, they were beaten down. And I met with them at 7 o'clock at night when I arrived, and I said, what's going on? And they shared, and I go, all right, let me pray for you guys. We'll try again tomorrow. Uh, with me here. And um, and I told my wife, I said, let's get our backpack and go out tonight. 
So we grabbed my backpack, and we had this little Hispanic woman come with me, and she was my prayer warrior, and she had a backpack full of Bibles, and we went out to the Kelowna Lake there, and there was these college men sitting on a table, and I walked up, and we, I shared with them, you know, and uh, we were just debating, going back and forth, back and forth, and I'm like, oh, this is what they were talking about. We're just debating. I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm taking everything that they put their trust on. I'm just taking their legs off. Whatever they put, evolution, Islam, I'm just, I'm just going at it, but I'm getting nowhere. And I said, oh, guys, you know what? You, know, you guys have been debating well. You guys have done a well uh, job. Uh, you've done a good job in presenting some of these obstacles. And I go, let me present Jesus Christ and him crucified the gospel. And at the very end, you can ask the question. And they said, okay. I said, thank you, Lord. So I presented the gospel. And right at the end, I said, hey, if you want to receive Christ, you can do that right now. And all three of them said, yeah. Even the man that was uh, Islam, he was a man uh, that was full on in the Quran. He said, if Jesus is God, then I want to give my life. I said, Jesus is God. And they said, yes, we want to give our lives to Jesus. So then all of a sudden, these men came over. These young men came over. There's probably about, I don't know, eight or nine of them came over. They were gangs. Uh, they were a part of a gang, and this was their neighborhood, and they were going to take back what we, uh, what we took in there. So I just stopped. I go, hold on, guys. These guys are coming. I don't know what they want, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with them. And as soon as they walked up, I said, hey, guys, these guys are doing something that's going to change their life forever. And I said, and I want to know if you guys want to hear about it. And they go, yeah, we want to hear about it. And I gave them Jesus Christ and him crucified, and they all said, we want to give our lives to Jesus. So and I know it was amazing, right? And then I just right now. Let's give our lives to Jesus. Let's pray the sinner's prayer. And we prayed the sinner's prayer. And, uh, and then I was there for uh, two weeks and we did the crusade and everything and God started opening doors. But just give it to them. You know, the, the close the door, um, land a plane, close the door. And then finally at the very end, pray, pray, pray. Pray for your lost friends, family members, co-workers, classmates, and those that are in your community. Uh, Jesus prayed seeing that, the, see, and he said this, that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. You guys are the workers. And pray for opportunities to share the gospel message. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door uh, for our message. Colossians 4.3, Paul says that. Uh, pray for boldness, clarity as you share the gospel. Pray also for me that uh, whatever I may, whenever I may speak, uh, words may be given to me that I may fearlessly uh, make known the mystery of the gospel. That's Paul saying that in Ephesians 6. Nine, um, some amazing things, and I'll answer some of your questions here. Just Pastor Ross answered them uh, perfectly. Um, whether they're cults, or whether you have family members who haven't received, be patient. God is doing that work. I can't tell you, family members, father-in-law, hostile, who all gave their lives to Jesus. But you know, I presented it one time. And I just let God do his work. And then whenever they asked questions, I would answer. And, but when I knew that it was an opportunity to close the door, I didn't hesitate. Hey, I, this question makes me think that you're ready to receive the Lord. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Close the door. You know, shut the, shut the door. I'm not going to, you know, land a plane. Here we go. Let's invite Christ to our heart. And so that's very important. Yes. Well, Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we, we'll we'll buy some too. We have 
typically the Gospel of John in Spanish and in English. We put them out there. Usually they're in the cupboard. Uh, if you go in the back where the pads are, if you open up down there, there's the tracts and the Bibles and all the good stuff. And they're freely, for, they're, they're free for you to take. You know, freely uh, God has given, you know, to us that freely we want to give back to the community and to you and to use any tools. Um, I love what I love what Pastor Ross said. We're the professionals. Do the invite. Bring them here, man. We'll 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 go to the we'll go to the distance with them and, and theological questions and stuff. If you're not sure about some of those answers, but you know that's how you grow with these. Uh, you grow in in these different challenges when they ask difficult questions. You you, uh, you get to dive in and find out the resources and the information and the reply. But again, if that's not you, bring them here. We'll tell them. We'll you know the Holy Spirit will do His work. Yes, Rose. You have time to hear about Jesus. Yeah. You have time to hear about Jesus. Yeah. And if they say yes, give us an example of how yeah. you take it from there. Yeah. So depending if they've been, are they religious or not, right? I'll, it's really simple. I'll say, okay, I'm going to take you back to the beginning of time. This is what I do. If they say yes, I go, okay, I'm going to take you back to the beginning of creation when God created all this. He created man. He put him in this perfect situation. There was no evil. See, now you got the gospel going. It's really simple like that. And then, then I start off with, and he gave man one rule. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. The day that you eat of it is the day you will die. You guys know the story. Man did eat it, and surely now he's on his way to the grave. Now the sad thing about it is that what that one man did affects every one of you, one of us. He is the head of all mankind. So now we too are in rebellion towards God and we too now are separated to God and we too will find ourselves in the grave. That's why all man dies. Now the worst part is yet to come. Not only will we die, but we will end up in a place called eternal hell. That's the judgment for our rebellion against God. I let that sink in just a few seconds. I go, but God loved you too much, loved us too much to allow that to happen. So he came down and bore on bore human flesh, and his name is Jesus. And he took all your guilt, all your wrongs you've ever done, and put it upon himself. So God poured out his wrath upon Jesus, the same wrath that you deserve. Jesus took it because he loved you and he made that payment for you. And now he made a way for you to get to heaven. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life and no one can come to heaven but through me. So he bridged the gap between a simple man and a holy God and all you have to do is to receive him. Now I want to know, do you want to receive Jesus right now? Do you want to receive forgiveness of your sins? Boom. You see how quick that was? Now, depending on if they are interested in more of creation or sin or these things, I'll add a little more, but that's pretty simple right there. And though I'm relying not on my words to affect them, but the power of God to take my words to go deep within the soul. I'm totally reliant on that. 
That's simple. Very quick. You have time to hear about Jesus? Yes. Boom. I'm going to take you back to the beginning of time. When God created the heavens and the earth, he made it perfect. He made a perfect man. He put him in a perfect situation and gave him one rule. It's the rule that says, I love you, God. I will obey you. Or I'm going to find a way, a different route, God. Thank you very much, but no thanks. And then he sends. Okay? It's really just, you see how I just did that? Just slightly different. Just slightly different, just but the same idea. So that's how I present it. Yes, Steve. Hey, I don't, I don't want to drag this on. I know we're in quitting time. But um, you did mention when you get to that point, then it becomes an opportunity for the sinner prayer. I don't see that in the particular one here. Uh, oh, the, yeah. I mean, I can Google it and get 10,000 different versions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I typically allow the Holy Spirit to tell you because each person is different. You know, and, and the sinner's prayer is just asking Jesus now. I'm going to pray for you, my friend. And you're going to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And I typically say, listen, there's no magic in the prayer. You're having a heart-to-heart with God. And you're going to ask him to forgive you of your sins. You're going to ask him to teach you how to follow him. And so I say a prayer and I, th- with those things in mind. And I'll say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And I let them repeat it. I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you were buried, and then you rose on the third day. Jesus, come into my life. Now show me how to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple, really quick to the point, prayer. And then I'll say, listen, there's no magic in that prayer. It's your heart. It's between you and God now. Now walk in faith, and I'm going to show you how. I'm going to, give, I'm going to tell them where to start in the Bible. I'm going to say, uh, typically I say the book of Luke now. I used to say John early on, but I think people have kind of gotten dumber. So now let me take you out to the beginning. <laughs> let me start you in the book of Luke, and you get the whole story, and then you move into John after the book of Luke and keep reading all the way through until you get to the Old Testament. And I go, and read, and read, and read, and I promise this, I promise you with all my heart, God will speak to you through his word. Amen. So that's, that's how I typically do it. All right? All right, we have reached 12.06. I am so thankful for you, all of you. I know there's more questions, and uh, we have a lot of answers. Uh, and so God willing, we can have another session where we can answer some of those questions for you uh, every, in another time. But thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, these, um, these your people have come out, Lord, and they, they have family members, Lord. They have members that are in, uh, are in the cults. They have members that are wayward, Lord. They have prodigal sons and daughters, uh, grandchildren that they're worried about, Lord, family members, husbands, wives, and friends, Lord. Lord, we pray for a great harvest. We pray that you would bring many to your kingdom. And if you want to use us, Lord, here we are, Lord, Give us the words to say. Give us the the gospel presentation, Lord, and give us the boldness. We trust you for your work. It says that you love these people more than we. So, uh, Lord, if you don't want to use us, use someone, but we pray for them. Save them, Jesus. Pray for a revival in our church, uh, in in our city, and in our country, Lord. In Jesus' worthy name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Saturday. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.